Great job. Luke chapter number 18 this morning. Luke 18. Great job, Chris. Beautifully. Awesome. Luke chapter 18 this morning. Uh, I love how the Lord puts things together. Uh, Pastor Josh called me on Wednesday and shared with me how that realizing what schedule he had and the time frame he had to get there and things and I began to study and ask the Lord to give me the message and of course it's uh, I was making jokes with somebody earlier it's New Year's Day and every pastor or preacher on New Year's Sunday has the same challenge you know and um, so uh, this may look a little different sound a little different but I believe this is the message that God wanted to uh, for me to share and I'll share a personal story about it at the very end of how that uh, God confirmed it with me, and um, a little different, but I still think it's a challenge for 2023 that I want to share with you this morning. But uh, how many planners, not planters, but planners, do we have in here? Someone you you just love to plan. I mean, you are plan C. Raise those up. Anybody want to take a picture of that? Go ahead and look. All the hands went down. Uh, uh, I don't mind a good. So I don't mind someone who loves to plan. Um, I like to think that I'm a planner, but I know that Jenny is a super planner. I mean, how do you know? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, hey, she is a planner, and uh, vacation for sure. Um, she she loves vacation. Jenny loves vacation. She just does. I don't know too many people that don't, but um, she just does. So, I mean, she has it planned out months. Like I can already tell you, like we this past week on Christmas. She was talking to my brother and my brother, my brother and sister-in-law, and man, they're already planning a vacation. I mean, she's, she'll have it out. It'll be, it'll be on like Donkey Kong. I mean, it's, it's going to be, I mean, for the next six, five months, I'll be hearing about where we're going, what we're doing. I like it. It's good. I enjoy, I enjoy, um, her, the fact that she's a planner. Um, but someone said something to me one time when I think about planning, someone said, made this statement to me and I love quotes. I think I've mentioned that here before, but um, I love quotes, and someone gave me this quote one time, and I, I like to live my life by it. It says, let your today take care of your tomorrow. Think about that for a minute. Let your today take care of your tomorrow. Um, you know, too often we spend time on things that we probably may never see. There's nothing wrong with being a good steward of your time and planning ahead and planning a good vacation. But can I tell you, there's a lot of water under the bridge that can happen between now and whenever you, we were to say we'd go on vacation. A lot can happen. And uh, you say, uh, Pastor Matt, shouldn't you be a good steward of your time and efforts and all those things anyway? And I say, yes. Yes, you should. There's nothing wrong with planning. But the truth be told is this, is that often in our planning, we think earthly more than we think eternally. We do. A lot of our planning is a lot around earthly things more than it is eternal things. Remember what James 4 says? Our life is but a vapor. But a vapor. Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, 21 actually says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. With that being said, I want to look at some numbers. And these guys are going to have to bear with me because I probably I'll jump all over the place. But I want to show some numbers on the screen. I want to show a slide with the numbers. Um, Y'all have that? Um, this is very elementary. No, not that number. The, fir the first slide. There you go. Back. Let's go back. 
couple slides. Um, there's 365. It doesn't tell you. This isn't a classroom, but we all know what 365 represents, minus leap years, leap years, that other kind of stuff. But on the average, on the normal, God gives us 365 days a year. All right? 365 days a year. And uh, this is just a little table I put together that if you were to live 15 years, that means you would live 5,475 days. God would give you that many years. Some of you are looking at me like a calf in a new gate, like, I'm way past that. <laughs> and so, well, you're up there, all right? Uh, if you were to live 25 years, God would give you 9,125 days. If you were to live like me, 35, I'm just kidding, I'm closer to 45, um, you would live 16,425 days. Think about that. When you think about, when you think about these numbers, and you plug yourself in somewhere in between. I'm not 45, so I'm 43, but I sound closer to 45. But 16,425 days. When I take that number and I think about that number, and in retrospect to the fact that those are how many days that God's given me of life, what comes to my view? When you take that number that represents your life, what comes to view? What do you think about? Do you think about, man, I remember when I got married. Man, I remember when my kids were born. Man, I remember when I first started my first job. I remember when I graduated high school. That was way back there. Uh, I remember when I first went in the ministry. I remember my first ministry job. I think about a lot of times when we think about this, our view, we think, again, forgive me for saying this, but we think earthly. So now let's change it. Let's flip the coin. Let's say this. When God sees that view of your days, what does he see of your life? You're lucky. You get to sit down there. I get to stand up here and say that. (laughs) I have to. But what does God see? What does he view? When when you you take that number, I'll I'll pick on my wife. My wife's 40. You'll be 41 this year, right? You'll be 42. Oh, ouch. So... Anyway, you're closer to that 45 than that 35. Uh, uh, but when, she, when, when God sees that number, you know, Jenny, you don't have to answer this, but what does God see? We know what we view quickly. We can, Jason, we can race back. You can, remember that first job? Remember that time you just recently when you stepped down from the school system doing all? We have these views of these numbers that we see here. But what does God view of our life? What does God view of our life? You see, it's not just what did I do in 2022, and it's not what will I do in 2023. It's the fact that today, will I live my life for God? We get so wrapped up in planning, we get so wrapped up in the future. If I can only work five more years, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to retire. Not me. But that's the way we think. Hey, man, six months from now, we're going on vacation. A year from, uh, two years from now, Jed will be graduating high school. He's going to be starting college. Folks, can I encourage you today? This ain't my message, but we, we need to get to a place in our lives where we let our today, the way we live our lives today, we need to let our todays take care of our tomorrows. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, that's what you did. We put our hope in him. We put our faith in him that one day when we do take our last breath, what are we going to do? We're going to spend eternity with him. 
But can I say something to you? It's not just about eternity. There's a reason that God has still got us here on earth to live a life, to live his life, to live his will. Let our todays take care of our tomorrow. Luke 18 this morning. The message I'm going to preach here in just a few minutes is going to come from verses 35 through verse number 43. Many of you are looking there now and maybe you see the story, maybe you remember the story of a man that was in need. He had a need. But to appreciate it, What's really happening in verse 35 through 43, back up just a few verses to verse number 31 through verse 34. Let's read this. Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem and all things that are written in the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spit on. And they shall scourge him and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. Basically, to sum it up, Christ knew what was about to happen to his life. And he was sharing with, these, uh, sharing with those that were the closest to him, but yet, here's the key. It did not stop him from continuing to serve and to live his life. The very next verse we see, and we're going to dive into this, we see where he dives in and he starts to continue to minister, even up to death. So often, we allow circumstances to get us down and eventually cause us to stop serving God. When in reality, God is not setting us up by using these circumstances for failure. He's setting us up for growth and for his glory. With that being said, let's look now in verse 35. And it came to pass that as he was come nigh to Jericho, a certain man sat by the wayside begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passed by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, what wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. This morning, I want us to look and examine this need. But I don't want us to miss the most important thing. It's not so much the need this morning that we're going to read about as it is the one that was in need. As we dig into this needy man's life, I think we've got to ask ourselves this question. As we read the story, and as I read it through, maybe that's the first time you've ever heard it. Hopefully it's not. 
But if it is, read it again, and we're going to study it here in just a few minutes. But there's a question I feel like we have to ask ourselves as we read the story. How do I respond to the needy? Do I respond like the crowd who rebuked him? Or do I respond to the needy like Christ did and restored him? Just like in this scripture, though, often Christ uses a physical need to meet a spiritual need. So this morning, my challenge to us all is that we can learn some lessons from the needy. And in 2023, our mindset must move from this, the crowd mentality, to a Christ-like mentality. Here's some lessons this morning we can learn from the needy. Number one is this, the needy are sensitive about their needs. The needy are sensitive about their need. Look in verse 38. And he cried, who did? The man who sat by the wayside begging. And he cried saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. But he cried, so much the more. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. We read here about a needy person in need of something. What was it that he needed? He needed God's mercy. He needed God's mercy. Too often when we see the needy, we get overwhelmed because we think we can't fill their need. When in truth, it's not our responsibility to fill it, but point them to the one who can fill it. Jesus understood the hurting that people go through pretty personal. (laughs) Most of the time, though, we don't see the hurt people go through because we don't get close enough to experience it with them. Here in this passage, the crowd wanted nothing to do with this guy. They wanted nothing to do with this guy. The needy man. The response from the crowd was, they rebuked him, the Bible says. The response from Christ was, I'll restore him. I'll restore him. So my my question, I'm sure you're thinking, is how do we move from the crowd mentality to a Christ-like mentality. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter number 5 this morning. We're going back here in just a minute to Luke chapter 18. But how do we go from a crowd mentality to a Christ-like mentality when it comes to the needy? Well, Ephesians chapter 5 Paul gives us a great example to follow. Verse number one, he says, Be ye therefore followers of God. How? As dear children. I love that word followers there. The word followers there means this, imitators. Imitators. Be ye therefore imitators of God. As dear children. Can you, I wrote down in my notes here, I just want to make my father proud. What about that? Think about that. He says, be ye therefore followers, imitators of God as dear children. 
But then he gives us a way that we can be good followers or imitate our Father. And I think this is a great example of how we can go from a crowd mentality to a Christ-like mentality. He says, number one, walk in love. Look at verse 2. He said, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. Anytime I hear the words as Christ and love in the same sentence or the same phrase, my mind quickly races to one of the first verses I ever mentioned or ever learned in my, in my mind in, in church and kids' church. How that for God so loved the world. Sometimes, you know, the Bible becomes so familiar to us that it's unfamiliar. We get lazy with Scripture. Oh, I've heard that verse, for God so loved the world. John 3, 16, we see it in us. You'll see it in a football stadium. Somebody's posting and hold a sign, and we just kind of brace through. Oh, John 3, 16. Think if the Bible didn't have one verse but John 3, 16. <laughs> Think how important it would, how awesome it would be. But he says to walk in love. Walk in love. How? As Christ hath loved us. In other words, our love for others should be selfless love. A selfless love. In other words, thinking of others more than thinking of ourselves. How about this? A sacrificial love. In other words, to give with nothing in return. To give with nothing in return. A sacrificial love, probably out of the two, selfless love, sacrificial love. The sacrificial love is usually the hardest love. Why? Because it requires giving up of our desires. How? Often it could be a change of plans. We're talking about sacrificial love. A change of plans. You had plans to do one thing and then something, an opportunity came up for you to love on someone and to help someone. And you know what? You have to do away with your own plans. How about this one? When we talk about sacrificial love, <laughs> kind of fits in the story. A change of people. A change of people. People that you're uncomfortable with. People that don't like exactly the same hobbies that you like. People that don't dress the same way that you dress. People that don't talk necessarily the same way you talk. People that everybody else has turned their back on, but God says the Holy Spirit, just like the needy are sensitive to their needs, we ought to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And God says, hey, go speak to them. Hey, take them to lunch. Hey, invite them to church. I'll give you a good example of something, and I won't mention names, but just in my short time here at Jamestown, not everybody's the same way. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to be critical, but I've reached out to a, a, a couple of people, and I've had people personally that are Christians come to me personally and say, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. You don't know what you're getting yourself into. Can I just say something to you? As long as you're living, you will never look into the eyes of one person that Jesus did not die for. You'll never meet one person and look into their eyes. And that person, Jesus gave his life for them. No matter what the past looks like or what their future looks like, it's our responsibility to love others. When the crowd said, 
Be quiet. Jesus said, what can I do for you? Come here. We ought to walk in love. He goes on down a little farther. How do we go from crowd mentality to Christ-like mentality? Walk in love. Number two is this, walk in light. Walk in light. He says in verse number uh, walk, uh, verse number eight, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. I love that because you know why? Light reveals things. Light reveals things. When others see the light of Christ in our life, it can cause others to see their sinful condition and say, I want what you have. Light reveals. But he goes on to say again in verse number 15, see then that you walk circumspectly. The word circumspectly means this, diligent. Be diligent in your walk. In other words, I just said it a while ago, I'll say it again. Just like the needy are sensitive about their needs, we as Christians ought to be so sensitive in walking diligently that when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, do this, speak to that person, go there, share the gospel with them, invite them to church, we ought to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit, just like they're sensitive to their needs. How do you go from a crowd mentality to a Christ-like mentality? Walk in love. Walk in light. Walk circumspectly. I've had the opportunity for years, for the 18 years I've been in ministry, to be close to three men that are super, been super, super influential in my life. My dad, my father-in-law, and then another fella that I worked for for five years named Sam Haynes. I worked for him. He was 70 years old. These three men have years of ministry in their life. The man that I worked for in Bristol, Brother Sam Haynes, he taught me this, but it kind of reflects all three of these men's lives. Who both, all, all three of them have been in ministry well over 40 years. He said this to me not just a few days after coming on staff at his church, he said, Matt, I asked him one day, I said, Brother Sam, I said, how did you grow a church in three or four years, over 400? And he was from that town. And he said this to me. And he said it many times. He said, Matt, people don't care how much you know. You can preach and you can, you can give the most elaborate messages. But people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And he said, that's what God has used. Is God's allowed me. And if you ever heard him preach, I love him. I love him. In the, in, the, in, the, in the religious world, most people would say, he's a simple preacher. But I know this. He's a preacher that loves people. So many times I've seen him speak truth and love. Hard times. But people knew this about Sam Haynes. He cared. He cared. I would, I would, I would, he would give me a schedule for the week, and I'd look, and I'd say, man, this man preaches more funerals than I've ever seen in my life, and he's preaching people's funerals that have pastors. And I think to myself, I asked him one day, because I was that close to him, I said, Brother Sam, I said, why do you preach so many funerals? He's like, they just asked me to do it. But the truth is, you know why? For years in that community, he always, always, always cared. Man, the crowd... Shh, 
Leave him alone. It's Jesus. He's ministering. Come here. What do you need? What do you need? The needy are always sensitive about their needs. We can move from the crowd mentality to the Christ-like mentality by walking in love, walking in light, and walking circumspectly, being diligent. Number two, secondly, this is kind of a lengthy point, but you'll get it. When the needy's need is met, it impacts not only their life, but the crowd's life as well. It doesn't just impact their need. When their need is met, it just doesn't impact their own life. It impacts the crowd's life as well. Let me show you what I mean by that. Look at with me in verse number back in Luke chapter 18. Look at verse number 40. And Jesus, and Jesus stood and said, and commanded, excuse me, him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith has saved thee. And immediately, immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. I underline in verse number 43 where it says, And all the people, and all the people. And I drew a line back to verse number 39 to the two words it says, and they. And they. I'd have to think and believe in my heart that some of those and they's had to be some of those same in verse number 43 that was praising and glorifying God. Stop it. Be quiet. Man, God just did a mighty act. God just did a big thing. He just met the need of that blind man. You know, we have a lot of people in church that would point at the crowd and just say, two-face. Hey, quit pointing fingers and just praise God yourself. Worry about everybody else's business. Hey, don't worry, don't worry about everybody else's business. Worry about your business. You know? Just meet the need of the needy. It's pretty awesome to see from verse 39 to verse 43 how they're glorifying God. Can I say to you this morning, it's worth taking a risk in the needy's life, knowing it's not one person's life that we're investing in, but the multiple lives of others for years to come. You know, it may be the gospel someone needs to hear. I said it earlier, you'll never look into someone's eyes that Jesus didn't die for. It may be godly counsel that someone just needs to hear. But I do believe this, that every single one of us have the opportunity to do something eternally significant every single day. And on this first day of this new year in 2023, we must not allow today to just pass by. I promise you, if you just let your todays pass by, you'll be that person who says, today's the day that I said yesterday, I'll do that tomorrow. This first day of 2023, we need to stop and be concerned more about our todays than our tomorrows. 
I told you that Wednesday I started studying and asking the Lord to show me exactly what he wanted me to preach on. My wife and I had the opportunity to, guys, if you can find that slide, I'll tell you to put it up here in just a minute, um, of, of the, uh, the pier. My wife and I had the opportunity to be with Callie, our, our, our daughter, um, on a basketball trip, a holiday basketball tournament down in Florida um, this past week, and we went to support her and spend some time with her. And, uh, on Thursday, that Wednesday's when I, I started preparing and Lord began to work my heart, and I don't ever talk to Jenny about these, my messages or anything, and we just kind of, sometimes I will, I'll say something to her, but um, I, I hadn't said anything to her, and um, but we, were get, we got up that morning, we had some time to pass, and I asked her, I said, hey, let's go across the street, let's walk on the pier. We were at Pensacola, and I said, let's walk on the pier. I love fish, I love watching these guys fish, and it was, don't get jealous of me, okay? It was 55 degrees with wind gusts of about 40, and so it felt like 50 in Florida. Weird, super weird. And uh, so we, were, we went walking on the pier, and um, she started walking with me. We, kept, we got to the very end, and good old Matt, um, I, um, I saw a guy standing over the side. There were very few fishermen that day because of the wind gust. And I saw this guy standing over here. And uh, I went over and started talking to him. Of course, I had my orange Tennessee pullover on because anytime you're in Florida, you always rub it in their face. All right? And um, so I just had my Florida shirt on. I mean, my Florida shirt on. My Tennessee shirt on. And uh, this guy walked up to him. I said, man, catching anything? And he goes, nah, too windy. And I said, all right. I said, I was just curious. And I said, just looking around. I said, I didn't see any other guys. And I said, I just saw he had three lines out. I said, what are y'all catching? We started talking about fishing. And within just about two minutes, he looked at me and he said, Orange, Tennessee. And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, uh, what part? I said, Jamestown. He goes, really? He goes, I'm from Livingston. <laughs> and I said, well, I said, that's interesting. He said, what brings you to Pensacola? I said, well, my, I began to tell him the story about my daughter. He goes, I said, uh, what brings you to Pensacola? He goes, well, I moved here. I moved here 10 years ago. And uh, he goes, uh, I just needed a fresh start, man. And uh, so he said, I've been through a hard time. He said, uh, married for 22 years. And uh, he said, things just went the wrong direction. And he goes, uh, we split. And he goes, I just needed a fresh start. So I came down here and worked. And he said, I retired about eight years ago. And he goes, I do this three days a week. And he goes, I just... I piddle around the house the rest of the time. I said, oh. He said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm in the ministry. He goes, oh, no. He said, please don't tell me the Methodist church. And I said, and he never explained himself. And I said, no, Baptist. And he goes, okay. He never said what. So if you're Methodist, don't get mad at me, all right? I don't know. That's, that was his words, I promise, all right? And so I have no idea. He never finished that statement. And um, so we started talking life, and we, uh, he made a statement about the world and the, and the days we live in. And, I made this statement to him, and I said, yeah, I said, you have to think that the Lord's return has to be near. He goes, amen. He goes, I would agree with that. He goes, but you know, he goes, I'm so glad I'm saved. He said, that's the only hope I have right now. He said, every day I'm dying. He said, every day I'm dying. He said, about five years ago, they diagnosed me with MS. And he said, if I don't, if you see him, you can see him kind of leaning. He said, if I take my hand off this, he goes, my knee will buckle. And he said, I'll just collapse. And he, later he showed me he was walking, and he had a pretty severe limp to himself. And 
He said, but every day, he goes, they have no cure for my disease. And he goes, every day I wake up thinking, this could be my last day. And he said, I come to the pier and I fish. And he said, I spend my time with God. And he goes, on Sunday, I'm in church. And we just started talking life, just playing out life. We got finished, and I told him, I said, well, man, I said, after about a 30-minute conversation, I was actually have the, my wife took this picture. She's sitting on a bench about 30 yards from me. And she took this picture and sent it to Callie and said, your dad will find a way to fish anywhere he's at. And she, so she, she had no clue. She thought I was talking fishing over there. I bet we talked fishing for two minutes, seriously. That's about all we talked uh, on fishing. And um, I said, man, I've got to run. My daughter's about to play. And I said, good talking to you. I said, uh, I, he said, uh, man, he said, have a safe trip. I said, I will. I said, I got to catch up with my wife. Oh, your wife's here? And I said, yeah, she's our here. And so he, he, you know, he limped over there. He limped over there. We, we met her halfway. And I said, hey, Jeannie, I want you to meet Alan. This is Alan. Alan Lovingood. And I said, I want you to meet him. And he said, uh, he looked at us and he goes, man, he goes, I'm going to tell you, he goes, you got a good husband. And I would tell you the rest of that, but you don't believe it. But anyway, uh, but she, he began to talk to us and he looked at us. And the very last words he said to us, me and Jeannie, as we stood there, he looked at us and he goes, guys, how long have you been married? I said, 18 years. He goes, I remember being married for 18 years. He said, it was good. He said, it was good, man. He said, enjoy every day and tell each other every day you love each other. And he said, I hope you all have a great trip, man. I hope your daughter wins. And, and uh, we just talked life. We walked off. You think it's a coincidence that God put that man in my path on that day? No. Because God was reminding me, it's not about tomorrow, man. Be sensitive to me and the conversations you can have today. Every day I'll line up conversations like this for you. And some days it's not going to necessarily be a gospel conversation. It's just going to be godly counsel and encouragement. You know, the Bible talks about us edifying the believers, being there for each other, encouraging each other. Sometimes it might be a gospel conversation, but you know what? God just wants you to plant so someone else can come along and some can water and then God can get the increase. This morning, I want us. This isn't targeted towards you. This is us. I want us to get the mentality Let's get away from the crowd and the way the crowd reacts to the needy. And let's learn some lessons from the needy and how that we should respond with a Christ-like mentality. May 2023 bring us opportunities today. Today. Not tomorrow. But we would be so concerned with our todays that our todays take care of our tomorrows. May God help every one of us to see the needy a little different. And may God use the needy to help us not only have conversations but grow as Christians. Allowing my todays to take care of my tomorrows. Let's pray. Maybe you're here this morning.
Maybe you're here today and you just, you've got a lot on your mind. I, I know a lot of people like that. You're concerned about, you're so concerned just about what the future looks like for you. Let's just forget others right now. But you're so concerned about what the future looks like for you. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's financial. I want to challenge you today. Don't miss opportunities that God has for you today. Slow down and see your todays. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're here today and and you're somebody that's in need. Remember what I said earlier at the beginning of the message? Just because you have a need doesn't necessarily mean it has to be financial. But it can also be a spiritual need. It can be a spiritual need. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior. Man, I was so encouraged to hear Alan, after all that he's been through in life, I was so encouraged to hear him to be able to look at me and say to me, Matt, I'm lonely, but I'm so glad that I have Christ. He's my only hope. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ. That's the greatest need that you could ever have in life. The greatest need you could ever have. Maybe you've been putting it off, man. Maybe maybe it's something you said, man, I'll do that tomorrow. Again, realize something. It's not about tomorrow. It's about today's. And the Bible says that. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today's the day of salvation. I'm not trying to play on your emotions, but I want to say this to you. What a greater way to start your year than to get things settled with Christ. Your eternal destiny. Just last week on Christmas Sunday, we had a man in the church after the service who trusted Christ as his Savior. Received the greatest gift that he could ever receive. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you're not for sure of that. You're not for sure of that. I want to pray for you. That's all, you know, Pastor Josh, that's what he said last week to this fellow. Hey, I want to just pray for you. And then afterwards, the man had the conversation with him. But I wonder if there's someone here this morning, you say, Pastor Matt, I don't know Christ as my Savior. I don't know Christ as my Savior. You know, I finished 2022 one way, but I want to start 2023 different. And maybe you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Matt, would you just pray for me? I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I just want to pray for you. But you're here this morning, you say, Brother Matt, Pastor Matt, would you pray for me? I do not, I do not know Christ as my personal Savior. Anyone here like that, just say, pray for me. That's all I want to do. I'm just going to pray for you. Anyone like that? That's your need this morning. Christians, I want to speak to you for just a minute. Just for a second. Maybe for too long in your life. And maybe we're talking about veteran Christians here this morning. People that's been saved for a long time. But maybe for too long you've been having the crowd mentality. Kind of pushing the needy to the side. And you say, 2023? Nah, forget it. Today, I want to start living my life with a Christ-like mentality. I want to love like Christ. I want to let my light shine. And I want to be so walking diligently that Christ can use me in any conversation, in any place that I may go. I wonder if there's a Christian here this morning, just raise your hand and say, Pastor Matt, that's me. I see that. Thank you. 
I see that. Thank you. I see that. I see that. Listen, the greatest thing about that question is not, is not this. It's not the fact that you recognized me in my, in my question I ask you. It's the fact that Christ sees your hand and that Christ wants to use you. If everyone would stand and look up here, we're going to open up the altars here in just a minute. Brian's going to sing a song. I'm not asking you like some preachers would to say, come make a commitment. For me. Make a commitment for Christ. Say, God, use me. But don't use me, God, in 2023. God, use me today. Letting our todays take care of our tomorrows. As Brian sings, the invitation to altar is open. I want you to just come spend some time with the Lord and ask him, Lord, start using me today.